listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, everyone, we are back for season six of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Marina Buxov, a functional medicine pharmacist and holistic herbal educator. I'll be sharing inspiring stories of my guests who have shifted into holistic modalities, both personally and professionally. My co-host, Dr. Jenna Carmichael, will be joining me to lead the Journal Club episodes to share an evidence-based approach to holistic and herbal medicine. I'm so glad you're here and hope you enjoy the show. Greetings, dear listeners. I hope you had a happy and healthy Thanksgiving to start this holiday season. For me, it's always a great reminder of counting one's blessings, not only seasonally, but having a dedicated gratitude practice. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my next guest, with whom I share a mission to optimize your health in order to maximize your well-being. As working moms, we are all too familiar with the need to be superhumans, raising kids, taking care of families, and managing professional careers. I had a fascinating conversation full of similarities with Stephanie Smith, PharmD, CHC, who coaches moms to prioritize their wellness by tuning into their own bodies, by resting and refueling, and by building endurance through exercise and movement. After attaining her PharmD from the University of the Sciences in Philadelphia, Stephanie began working with Pfizer as a medical education consultant. As her clinical experience grew, she moved into a more patient-centered practice at Mount Sinai Medical Center before assuming another teaching role in the pharmacy practice residency at Temple University Hospital. During the near decade at Temple, she provided direct patient care, as well as being part of a multidisciplinary team and mentoring and preceptoring pharmacy students and being adjunct faculty for Temple. During this time, Stephanie saw countless patients getting acutely better but struggling with multiple chronic diseases and the endless medication list that goes along with it. She began to truly understand the role that diet and exercise play in the trajectory of health inside and out of the hospital. Her own health began to change as well. It was through her own personal experience with Crohn's disease and Hashimoto's thyroiditis that it became clear just how challenging it can be to live with chronic illness and more importantly, how rewarding it is to defeat them through healthy lifestyle choices and practices. As Stephanie's health grew, so too did her family, and she learned firsthand the obstacles that other women face as her role expanded to spouse and mother of two beautiful daughters. These new responsibilities forced her to reconcile and realign to her identity and passions. She left clinical practice to pursue a career in health coaching and functional medicine, and this is where Master Her Health was born, her business that applies a background of traditional Western medicine and pharmacy to an integrative program incorporating a natural diet, exercise, and rest techniques to build a community of healthy and strong moms across the country. Long story short, Stephanie transforms women from hungry, stressed, and tired to fit, confident, and healthy. And who doesn't need some of that? Hi, everyone. I am back with another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast, and I have with me today Stephanie Smith, who is a functional health coach and pharmacist. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Marina. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm so happy to get to chat with you. I know we met last year through Facebook, just networking and getting to know each other and carving our paths through functional medicine and blending pharmacy and integrative medicine together. So I'm super excited to hear about your journey, how it all started for you. So let's start there. Where did you grow up and how did you become a pharmacist? Yeah, um, good question. And I, I grew up in New Jersey and uh, my childhood, I was really, um, I loved to dance. I was a dancer. I did LA, tap jazz, all, all the things, and I just loved to move my body. It was just uh, something that still is like a part of who I am today. But I think I realized, um, you know, I was in high school that, you know, I didn't really see a career in dancing. And so as I was, I was kind of exploring, you know, my other passions, um, you know, I, I really loved science and math, and my mom is a nurse. So I kind of led me down the healthcare. Uh, career path, but I didn't really see myself being a nurse. I didn't really want to be too hands-on. 
and that I really wanted to help people through medicine. And I got my first job when I was 16 at an Eckers pharmacy. So I worked in a retail pharmacy and I was like, yep, yeah, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And yeah, I applied to pharmacy school and yeah, six years later, I was a doctor of pharmacy. <laughs> Yeah, I can really relate to a lot of that since I also danced for a really long time and through pharmacy school, in fact, um, yeah. and something I continue to find important, you know, the mind-body connection and somatic embodiment principles, that's something that I love to incorporate personally and professionally, so um I agree, though, you know, a lot of us make our choices based on what makes sense and what has monetization potential. So careers like in dance or in the arts or in the humanities aren't considered as lucrative, um, you know, in, in most circles. So um, so I'd love to know how pharmacy school went for you and what did you decide to do after graduating? Yeah, so pharmacy school. It was, it was good. It was challenging for me, I, but I really enjoyed it. I loved, especially when we got into the path of physiology and like what was going on with the body and just the deep understanding of that. And I loved clinical rotations. Uh, I just really loved the application of pharmacy and really getting to work with patients and talk to people. Um, and so, yeah, so it was, it was good. I um, also stopped dancing when I went to college. So that was like a big oh my gosh, like how do, where do I get my movement and my exercise and, you know, just not eating as healthy because I was living in a dorm. So I had to find new ways to, um, to do that and so and to take care of my body. So that was like my first time having to really figure it out where I needed to uh, take care of myself. And that happened many times uh, throughout my life. And that was just probably the first time. So I started getting into, started working out at a gym and started getting into yoga and just, yeah, like you said, just finding ways to move my body. I lived in, um, I went to pharmacy school in Philadelphia. So we walked a lot and um, yeah, so it's kind of, um, that's kind of, you know, pharmacy school was good. And then I fell in love with New York City. You know, I guess Philly was a, a, a taste of the city and then I fell in love with New York City. So I made it my mission to get up there. So I found, got my first job. Uh, I moved the day after graduate, graduating from pharmacy school. I drove a U-Haul with all my stuff. I got a tiny apartment in the West Village and I, I was like, I made it. I had a job, I had my own apartment. And you know, here I was with my degree. I hadn't even gotten licensed yet. And I, you know, I just was like, I'm ready, I'm ready to start. So that was really empowering, I think, for, you know, to really be on my own. And my first job was, um, I actually worked for a medical education company and we were consultants and our main client was Pfizer. And at the time, so this was in 2002, uh, Viagra was their main product. So I was helping create medical education content for, for Pfizer, for Viagra. So I did that for about a year. And I really missed that patient interaction. So in the meantime, I had gotten my New York State license and got my first clinical pharmacist job at Mount Sinai Medical Center. And uh, I was working on the oncology and hematology unit. Uh, we, were, we had a satellite. So it was part dispensing, part working with patients. And, um, and I just loved it. I was decided I was going to become an I wanted to do residency. I wanted to focus to specialize in oncology. Um, ended up doing a residency at Temple University in Philadelphia uh, and doing a pharmacy practice instead. And um, yeah, and kind of led me down the critical care path, which I can tell you more about that job. So that's kind of how I got got started, and it was it was exciting. It was a fun time to just be exploring and learning new things professionally and. Um, and personally as well. Yeah, sounds like you tapped into a variety of different settings there, which is wonderful. And many pharmacists I know feel 
stuck or stagnant if they stay in one place for too long and then they feel like there's no hope in switching their trajectory. So um, it's it's really interesting that you got a chance to participate and work in all these different places. And I myself also interned at Pfizer at the 42nd Street location. Yeah. I love the West Village and that's actually where my herb school was. So oh, wow. <laughs> I feel like we were in the same places at different times. Yeah. Oh yeah. The West Village is so quaint and I, I loved living there. It was it was great. And yeah, and that's what I love about you know about the career of pharmacy was that there's so many uh, different paths that you can take. And, you know, a lot of people would ask me, especially when I was younger, how did you know at such a young age that you wanted to be a pharmacist? And, you know, like I mentioned before, I, you know, it kind of found me, but I, I also feel that I, you know, thought I was going to be a retail pharmacist, like, um, you know, the first job in experience that I had and actually never in the past 20 years have done that as a pharmacist, but I've done many, many other things. Uh, and so that's, I think one really cool thing about being a pharmacist is that you, there's just so many different opportunities um, as well. And so, yeah. And so then I, after I did my residency, I, I actually fell in love with critical care and I had a lot of um, great mentors there that um, just taught me just amazing stuff and you know being uh, at an academic university and um, just being able to see so much really acute critical care um, and infectious disease I really just was like this is it and I got um, I was able to stay on as a critical care specialist um, in critical care, so I, I, my position was in the surgical ICU. It was a surgical trauma ICU at the time. It was 20 beds, and I was the specialist for that unit. So I was in charge of, you know, overseeing all the patients there, and I got to be a part of a multidisciplinary team. I got to um, take on residents, precepts, residents, and students. I got to do a lot of education to pharmacists, nurses, physicians, residents. I, I got to serve on committees um, and help make guidelines for the ICU and the hospital. I got to be a part of the code team. Uh, so we were running to, um, to codes and rapid responses all day long. And it was just, and I got to be, um, you know, we were affiliated with the, the School of Pharmacy at Temple. So I got to also be a part of that and be um, adjunct faculty as well. So for about 10 years, I did that. And that was, that was my dream job. That was it. Like I, I was doing it all. Like for as a clinical pharmacist, I could not have asked for you know for more better experience, and I absolutely loved it. But uh, at the same time, uh, or that was my professional was going on. But personally, when I was leaving New York and um, coming back to Philly to, to do my residency, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and I, I loved living in New York City, but that was pretty stressful and hard on my body. Um, I wasn't sleeping well, you know, I ended up at an apartment on Park Avenue. So that was really noisy and loud and lights and I was doing shift work. So uh, working till 11, 12 o'clock at night and then being back to work at six or seven in the morning. So sleep wasn't good health, you know, nutrition wasn't good. So I think this led to my first diagnosis. So when I got to Philly and after kind of you know, finishing up residency, I just really started changing some of that. And I just really found the power of nutrition and lifestyle changes on our health. So I, I was able to heal my Crohn's disease through um, eating healthier, sleeping a little better, um, lowering my stress. And that was really uh, amazing, too, because I just always was kind of the mindset of, like, we need to take medications to, to heal and to get better. And the, it was just really kind of very eye-opening for me as well. So uh, then I started um, getting more into eating healthy. And I always kind of ate, ate vegetables, but I always ate the same, like, few once, but my husband and I started dating, and my husband now, and uh, one of like the big um, things I say changed my life or changed the way I was eating is that I decided to join a CSA, 
And so this is when you get a farm share from local farms um, once a week. So you get this big box of vegetables and it changes every week and you don't really know what you're getting. And it's just, you don't even know how to, I had to look up how to, what is this vegetable and how do you cook it and, and so many things. So I, I really loved it though. It, everything tasted so much better. I felt like what we were starting to cook together was um, tasting as good as the, as the dishes I was eating at Philadelphia restaurants, you know, like it was because it was in season and so fresh. And we started um, really just, you know, cooking all types of, I used to meal plan from like magazines, like food and wine and Bon Appetit, like this is before a kid. So, <laughs> and it really just, I felt like I just never felt as good as I, as I had so far in my life as I did then. And it just, I still to this day belong to a CSA and even got the chance for a few years to be like a host site member. So where people would come pick up their CSA at our house. I just was so passionate about eating vegetables and making them taste good though and having fun with them and learning new ways to prepare and cook them. Wow. Well, can I just say how <laughs> amazing this transformation must have been that you are now advertising and advocating for healthy eating after the diagnosis of Crohn's disease, which can probably scare people off from any kind of food. And, you know, it's a scary diagnosis to have. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about what that was like for you, how you made the transition into healthy eating, how you made that connection? Did you have any guidance? And uh, how did you cure essentially yourself, heal through food? Yeah, you know, I think I was just noticed that I would feel better when I ate a meal that I cooked myself versus um, you know, maybe getting some fast food or takeout from a local place. And so I kind of just became curious about that. And then I, I kind of just, I didn't really have much guidance. I think I read, started to read some books, like some Michael Pollan books and, you know, just about where food comes from. And, you know, I just started to explore that and just found it so fascinating. And I was reading a book, um, animal vegetable miracle. And that's where I got the idea to, to join a CSA. And I think that was, I read about, um, I didn't even know what it was. And I just researched and found one. And, and, but before that we, I started going to farmer's markets and just kind of just seeing all this fresh food. And I love to eat and I love food and I love really good food. And I lived in New York city and we were living in Philly. So I knew what it tasted like. And I was starting to learn how to create this on my own. And it was really fun to, especially when you have like friends and like a partner to do it with. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's kind of, and I just slowly was starting to just feel better one day at a time. And I, I just realized one day I said, you know, I think talked to my doctor and I said, I think I want to try going off my meds for my Crohn's disease and just see like how, see what happens. And that was it. I, I, I stopped taking them and I, I was very lucky that that that's all I needed to do. And, um, and go from there and, and exercise as well. And I was trying to just take better care of, of moving my body again and and trying to manage my stress. I wasn't as good with managing stress back then. So the dream job at Temple was amazing, but as you can imagine, it was very stressful. You know, being in the ICU where you're literally saving lives is so rewarding, but it can be really stressful because you're just running from the next emergency to the next. And I was, you know, just always felt like I needed to be there for my patients and for the um, other members of my team. And so I just never wanted to let anyone down. I think I was, um, you know, I'm a recovering um, perfectionist and type A personality. And like, I can do, I can do it myself and I can do it, you know, I can do it all. And so, uh, you know, I really poured myself into that, into that role. And so it definitely mentally and physically um, was exhausting. And so, that's when I started to, even though I was eating healthier and moving, um, 
I probably wasn't balancing the stress of the job as well and never kind of left that at home or left that at work and I brought it home with me. And so uh, after my husband and I got married and we decided to start a family, I then, um, I had trouble. I had a couple of miscarriages and that led to a Hashimoto's diagnosis. So, which I still didn't even know at the time what, really what that was. I just knew I was had a low thyroid and I needed to take Synthroid. And all I really wanted to do was to be able to get pregnant and, and start my family. So luckily that worked and I was able to have my first daughter, um, Sophia, who's now 10. And I went back to work full time when she was three months old. I wasn't sleeping at all through the night. Um, you know, no one told me like how hard it would be. No one told me like, and the other, the other part of my job was that I also had a family there. That was also my friends, my family, uh, worked with a great group of pharmacists and as I said, doctors, it was the whole team, like everyone I knew, it was a big hospital, but it was, just, I definitely, that was my family. So I was like, I'm going back there. There's no other way. And so I did for a year and it was, that was probably the hardest year of my life. I was trying to be a mom I, which I, for the first time and I was working just constantly. Now I'm not taking breaks because I just wanted to get back, you know, pick up my daughter at daycare. Um, you know, I have memories of like, of pumping, you know, in my office, I didn't want to take a break. I would do it, do it all, eat, pump, and work out my patients while I was, you know, I just didn't stop. And so that was really hard. And I started to lose that, just that, like, I guess, passion, you know, for what I was doing. And, um, you know, it just wasn't as rewarding because I just, the balance wasn't there anymore. And so I had to really just decide, like, if was I going to, you know, what was I going to do? And I, I have this one memory of just of coming home one day after, like, working, you know, a long day and bringing my daughter home from daycare. And I'm washing the bottles again, which is just like what I do every day, wash all their bottles, you know, to, to send them to daycare the next day. And just being so exhausted and not I, I think I was eating like a bowl of cereal for dinner which was like such a big change from where I you know had been and I was just knew that like um, I knew that like I had to make a change and I had to make that difficult decision and that was really hard yeah, yeah for sharing that sounds like the ups and downs and navigating these challenges of life and work and family and it is a dance to balance all of that. And, you know, I have to commend you also for realizing that there needs to be a change in your environment, right? Because many people, when they're diagnosed with something or having a, a health challenge, the automatic response is, okay, here's the diagnosis, here's the medication. There's also a lot of fear you know, in confusion, and you have to kind of wrestle with this idea that maybe this diagnosis is quote unquote permanent or chronic and, you know, a lot can come up there. Um, but it sounds like you were able to discern both when you were living in New York City that the sleep and the stress and all of these job expectations have to change, which is what influenced you to move back to Philadelphia. And then now with this new role of becoming a mother, the same thing was was happening where, um, you know, the type A personality, which I think a lot of pharmacists share this perfectionism, which is what makes us good pharmacists and which is what um, probably helps people like us make those decisions early on to go to pharmacy school and stick it out and have this like safe quote unquote, lucrative, um, you know, an exciting profession under our belt. Um, however, it's not sustainable, right? If you have those night shifts, if you have those uh, dis sleep disruptions, if you have a family to take care of, I mean, the hours that we're expected to work with the amount of pressure and responsibility to take care of other patients who are suffering or in pain or sick, you know, it's a lot. So I don't think some of these settings are set up 
in a sustainable way where there's not enough help, even in the retail setting, right? There's not enough usually help. There's too much um, work responsibilities. And now with vaccinations and documentation and all of these things that fall on us to do just single-handedly after, you know, a 12 hour shift or um, shift work where we're working night shifts or seven days on seven days off like nurses. So it's, it's so difficult to navigate, which is why I think so many people in the healthcare field in general are suffering from burnout. So it's not very intuitive in today's society to say, hey, let's assess like this globally and figure out what are these factors that are leading to such a mass exodus from our professions and such a massive dissatisfaction or even rates of suicide in the healthcare professions. So, yeah. you know, I really have to commend you for for realizing that. And it sounds like, you know, you didn't have much guidance. Like, for example, I, when I was diagnosed with things, I would go to all these different healers and professionals. And now it's much easier. I feel like there's so many health coaches, functional medicine providers you can seek out. And back then, all you had were some books. And, you know, the fact that you found a CSA is really cool because I also did one when I started my health coaching journey and started getting educated on on this stuff. But you're right. It's not really public knowledge. And that's a shame. It really is. And it's, it's, and our society normalizes being stressed, you know, like being busy and all of those things. Like it's, it's, it's just a normal part of like part of life, but it doesn't make it healthy or, or, or what the right thing is for you. And, you know, we all have our seasons in life and, and, it, and it's just, it is really about recognizing, okay, like maybe a change is needed and, and it takes a lot of courage and, it feels really uncomfortable to make changes. Um, and so, but sometimes you have to, you know, you, you kind of have to just decide for yourself. Everyone is different, but, um, you know, you could always go back to a job, right? So that's the worst thing that could happen. You know, I could have you know, left that job. Maybe I could have, I could have found, you know, found that somewhere else again, gone back, you know, it's, it's, it's not nothing is so permanent in life and it's it's good to try things. And so so I did. So I left my job. It was like I said, it was the biggest toughest, hardest, you know, time in my life up until that point. I I, I was able to get a part-time job. So then I moved to University of Pennsylvania. And so I was lucky they they valued my my skills and you know took me on and let me um or pre diem that part time while I still had my first daughter and um, my stress levels went way down after I left my critical care position. But um, now I lost my identity. So I, I, I went from like, you know, I like my career was my, my identity for so many years. And now I'm still a new mom and I'm starting out in a bigger university. And now instead of being like the go to person for, you know, if you had, you know, everyone was like, go to Stephanie, ask her if you know you need help with something. I had all these roles and wore all these hats to just kind of filling in for people and not even really people knowing my name or who I was. And I, I it was really hard. That was really hard. So I, I, I started to feel, I guess, more disconnected. But at the same time, I'm starting as I'm learning more about nutrition and exercise and realizing the role, you know, I, I I think medicine and pharmacy and everything acute, for acute care is is amazing. It's life saving. Um, we're giving medications for these awful infections, and we're doing life saving interventions and surgeries. But and and I saw that. But you know, I would I was starting also realizing that um, that people weren't really getting better chronically. So we would come into the hospital, we'd make them all better and send them out, and then they would be back a couple of weeks or a month later and it's a, you know still in the same 20 med list you know with a new problem or you know a new issue but and we would give another med to fix that and send them out the door and so you know I always was on the acute care side but I was starting to realize like you know I think that was my disconnect was that we're not really um helping people chronically with these symptoms and diseases and that why don't we are we talking to them about nutrition and exercise and 
and stress reduction and all these things that are essentially free and, you know, and have, don't have side effects except good ones. And, you know, I, I, I really, you know, starting to feel that pull. Um, but just feeling lost too, like not knowing like, well, what do I do next? You know, I'm, I'm, I still had this like holding on to this identity as a pharmacist for so many years. But I think what I started to find was that when I was going to work for my part-time job, I, I, was, I was finding joy in, in talking to, to people and to pharmacists. And, you know, as a lot of pharmacists were, is, are females and moms. And so now I'm, I'm connecting with, you know, I wasn't so focused on my career and, and you know, and, and what I was doing. I was, you know, still taking good, doing good patient care, but I was also now like, okay, now, you know, let's talk about like what we're going to cook for dinner and swapping healthy recipes or, you know, what we're doing, you know, for our exercise routines or, you know, what we're feeding our kids and, you know, what we're doing activities with them. And so I really just started to find joy and passion again and, and just talking to other women, especially moms, about taking care of ourselves and how we were trying to do it and balance it all. And so I think I, you know, a lot of, and then, you know, people started coming to me and asking me questions or, you know, like, oh, what are you cooking or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I really was, um, I loved that. And so I think that was like my first clue, even though it took many years to, to you know, to bring me to where I am now. But, um, you know, it, if I didn't have that experience, if I had stayed in that stressful job, I may not have ever, you know, gotten to, to, gotten to that point. And so I may have not realized what, you know, what was, what was ahead and what, you know, I could look forward to. So, um, and I tried a lot of different, you know, I worked part-time, I tried a few other, I worked, I took a part-time um, job, temp, like a temp position. I wrote for LexiComp uh, for a little bit. And then my, I did get a part-time job working, I'm still at University of Penn. Um, and I was part of a fecal microbiota transplant um, research study for, um, for C. diff. And so, that was fascinating to me and it was really interesting and i started to learn the power of the microbiome and you know as i was just learning all about that and all its connection to uh, diseases and symptoms and i was just fascinated and it was just like it was still starting to open my eyes and that's when i I, but it still wasn't quite that connect. I, I knew there was more and I was trying to figure out what was next. And I ended up, um, well, I ended up kind of doing two things. Um, you know, I, I had been reading books for years and articles and just uh, whatever, you know, information I could take in, but I wanted to do something more form, formal and structured. And, you know, just through being, having kind of like an open mind and talking to other pharmacists and other people and, and really just keep, you know, Every day I would, you know, kind of start the day like, how, what am I going to do? And, you know, by nighttime, I would just be like, oh, you know, I'd be exhausted and be like, oh, nothing. I guess there's just nothing, you know. But then the next day, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to figure, you know, I'm going to figure it out today. And I just kept persevering and I found functional medicine. And that was just through um, talking to people that were going through it or had gone through it. And I was like, I think this is it. I think this is what... I've been looking for. And so I started a functional medicine program, um, which I'm about a little more than halfway through. But I also felt like it had been 20, almost 20 years since I'd been to pharmacy school. And my way of talking to patients was talking to them and not really, you know, just kind of giving them information. And so I wanted to really refresh um, and update my, um, you know, how to talk to people and how to motivate them. So I also decided to do a certified health coach um, program, and that was just, that was amazing and like very eye-opening as well. And it really changed how I even talked to my kids and, you know, it's just, just to everyone, my friends who come to me for advice. It just really was just a great way to learn how to um, really get people to figure out their own motivation and not just tell them like, this is what you got to do and go do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, tapping into their why, why do they want to make the changes and help them figure out how to do it. And so that's, you know, that's really what I love to do as well.
Yeah. So like partnering with the client or patients and working with them as a team versus being this uh, doctor expert who who's giving them, you know, the prescription for health and has to be followed like a very paternal, um, you know, father figure. So yeah, yeah I, I agree. That is really eye-opening, um, motivational interviewing and, and other kinds of things and really digging into that intention and the motivation because the most difficult thing that I've found about anyone's healing journey is what you just described, like that every day waking up and having that drive and that desire and having that be what leads you, having your passion for life and for healing be stronger every single day and choosing to to put power and strength into that bucket versus it's so easy to like sometimes just, you know, lose hope and give up and not do it and, you know, tell yourself, oh, you know, I'm exhausted because it's true, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's building those habits for yourself and choosing those things that actually fill your bucket and not deplete it that will make a difference over time. And I think that's really the most difficult thing. And like you said, change is hard. You know, people are resistant because we're just wired that way. So it's just part of our survival brain and we're wired to resist change or to prioritize fear, you know, but it really sounds like you allowed love, you know, your passion for your career, sort of like a love affair really with pharmacy <laughs> to be your guide and motivate yourself through what drives you. And when you saw that that was shifting, you made those necessary changes. You switched your location, you switched your position, you moved into the functional medicine space when you were called for that, you moved into the coaching space. So uh, that's really wonderful that you had such a strong drive within yourself that you were able to follow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, and and with working with patients and clients, you know, just realizing that they are the true change makers and you know, and just figuring, you know, recognizing that and that, you know, they are the the experts on their their life and their health and how they're gonna do it. And it's just not one prescribed way. And, you know, and maybe what we may think is the most important may not be the most important to them. And there's so many factors that affect that, like their their family, their friends, their surroundings, um, you know, their their belief systems. It, and it's just really um, it's just really interesting. And I love that because you really get to it's almost like solving, you know, putting a puzzle together and just helping, you know, helping them kind of figure it all out. And that's really what is also I find so rewarding about um, about coaching is that you get to watch this transformation that you're kind of just partnering along on this journey with them. And so it's really, um, it's just amazing. And you're like, just blown away by like what people can accomplish in even just a short amount of time. And they did it really on their own. And you're just you know there to facilitate it. And so I just I just find that so just rewarding and I haven't felt that since the, you know, the reward that I felt in that first job as a clinical pharmacist, you know, it took, it took a while, but, um, and, you know, as you said, I persevering, but it, it was a lot and it, it took, you know, a lot of time of just a lot of hemming and hawing and just, you know, maybe I'll do this and still trying to figure out how I, you know, am I going to do it down a, a pharmacist path? And then where am I going to do it as more as a health coach? But really, you know, realizing it didn't really matter because I was just helping them. Going back to my mission of helping people, you know, from when I was 16 years old and deciding to go to pharmacy school, I just wanted to help people through their health. And it didn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter how I do it. And I find that very, um, I don't know, it's just very freeing. Um, but also, I, I think you know, what gave me a lot of courage is just a lot of other things that were uh, kind of going on personally as well. And so like um, after, you know, my husband and I had moved to the suburbs and we had our, you know, again, our dream home and he had his dream job and I was, you know, 
I'm now a mom of two and figuring out, you know, I spent a lot of years figuring out how to um, bring movement and nutrition, but now as a mom. And so like my meal planning looks totally different. And, you know, I was embracing my slow cooker and setting that at, at, up at night because I would leave for work so early in the morning. So my meal would be cooking overnight for the next day. But just, again, just sticking to like meal planning and batching and we started like freezing meals and just kind of just, you know, trying different things, but just realizing like it just felt good. And, um, you know, I was walking my, you know, walking the kids in the stroller and just incorporating them into my movement and, you know, or would I go to a gym with a daycare? It's just figuring this all out and it didn't look anything like it had, you know, before kids. It was fun and, and you know, figuring that all out. And so, like I said, we had our, you know, like our dream life, but we realized, um, you know, especially through the pandemic that it actually wasn't our dream, quite our dream life. We were so lucky, but my husband and I, especially me, I had this dream of moving to Vermont. And so we were living in a suburb of New Jersey outside Philadelphia. And I just, and he, you know, having like land to have, you know, to do whatever we wanted with. And we always kind of thought, well, I guess when the kids, to college we'll do something like that but I, I didn't want to wait I didn't want to wait till they were all grown up I wanted to experience it with them but I just never thought like how are we going to live it in such a rural place like what are we going to do for work and all these things it just you know it would never happen and it actually did and so actually a year ago this past week we moved to we moved from our one eight we were on one eighth of an acre in the suburb in New Jersey, and now we're on a 120-acre property in northern Vermont. And so, you know, that's a whole nother story how it happened. But you know, my husband, he he found a job, and you know, it was like a good fit for him because he was ready to make the change. You know, a change too where he needed to. And um, we were just so lucky that we, you know, found a great place, and we have had the best year of our lives. And, you know, our kids are, we have one that's almost eight and 10. So it's just been so much fun. So now I'm learning not only to be like, make this big transition, this big move as a family. Um, we're learning, like, I didn't grow up skiing and now we live, you know, 20 minutes from a ski mountain. So I remember it was like, oh, when we were coming to look, um, my husband came up for his interview when we were exploring the area and we went to the ski mountain and I had just skied a handful of times before that. And I, there was like, our ski mountain has like a lower mountain with like the easy trails. And then there's like this upper mountain and that's where high school kids train to be professional skiers. Uh, some go on to be the Olympics. And I remember just looking up to this upper mountain being like, there is no way I will ever go be up there skiing those trails. Like that will just never happen. I'm just not, I'm not a skier. I'm not, a, I'm not good at this. Like I didn't grow up doing it. And, you know, so when we moved here and then this past winter, um, you know, we got this, we got all the gear, we got the skis and we were up skiing. And by February of this, of this year, I was up there on the upper mountains doing those trails and that was just so like it's just so many things and so like learning new things is really hard you need to really embrace that you're going to suck at it <laughs> and um you know that there's four and five year olds that are skiing next to you that are better than you <laughs> and, and you know that you know you know worrying about what other people think and you know they're like oh are they looking at me they must think I'm so terrible and so many things but I kind of embraced and this is just with anyone trying to make change it's like well what would you know what do I want to be do I want to be a healthy person well, what does a healthy person do or do I want to eat healthy well what does that entail so I wanted to be a skier and so I was like well what does a skier do and besides you know you, you look the part you dress you know getting all the gear and the layers and I skied every chance I could and so I and that's how I got better I'm not great I'm still working on it but I'm really looking forward to next year and you know and embrace and now I'm starting to embrace health you know so where I went from like the type a I could do it all I can do everything I'll do it you know my way and it'll be great to like I need help <laughs> so 
really a lot of it was just watching. I was lucky to have a lot of friends that are good skiers. Um, so just watching them and modeling my, you know, my movement and my body after them or just, you know, having them like encourage me, um, you know, taking lessons helps. I was chaperoning my kids, um, you know, they were going with the school to, uh, you know, to learn to ski. So up here, like you spend half a day skiing. And so I was a chaperone and I'm, I'm listening, taking notes to the instructor with, with the, you know, with the elementary school kids uh, learning how to ski. So just really that beginner's mind and just an open mind about it. And so I think it was just kind of like, okay, like learning new things, um, it's possible. And then when you build that confidence, you feel like you can do anything. And so I think that's between you know, everything that happened, you know, and throughout my career and, um, you know, the, this big move, uh, and then like starting to learn new things, you're also, um, you know, learning to rock climb. And I realized that was really scary. And now we're learning to mountain bike. And, and I'm back to like, I am just terrible. <laughs> but I am having fun and I'm getting out there every week. But I think it was just all of that, that also just, you know, really just gave me that motivation that I needed or that inspiration to start my own business and just to realize like, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do. Cause that was just honestly the scariest thing that I ever could imagine. And I just, everything seems so overwhelming. So I can imagine with people who are trying to make health changes as well. It's, it's overwhelming and it's scary and it requires um, showing up every day and making, you know, really small changes or you know just doing small things like one percent better each day and building on that and so um so I did it yeah so I launched my own health coaching um, business and I the only my only regret is that I didn't start it sooner because I'm having so much fun <laughs> yeah I love that that's a great regret to have and actually I'm also embracing uh, this new way that I'm infusing into my coaching and in my life is a system called positive intelligence. And the major concept is that anything, even an adversity can be changed into a gift and an opportunity. So what you're describing is really just allowing the space to be okay with not being okay and knowing that everything is temporary and allowing yourself and your anybody you interact with including your clients and patients that it's okay for them to have their own experience right and giving them that space and the sovereignty to make their healthcare choices and you be the being the guide that's helping them make an informed decision and navigating their priorities and their challenges that as they see them and not as we see them and not imposing or assuming things from our perspective yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just you it when you're starting to try to do something new, like you actually feel like it's like a kid again, you know, that feeling of like, and we don't get that very often as adults. We have so many responsibilities and so much stress and things to worry about and we're you know running here and there. It's just the opportunity to feel childlike again is is really energizing. And I'm really lucky, you know, I'm getting to do it, you know, with my children, although they're 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 blowing past me fast, <laughs> but that's okay because that's really exciting, to, you know, to watch them grow as well. Um, but yeah, it's just really humbling, and but like it, it just gives you that lift of, of that boost of confidence that like I can, I can do this, and that also the realization like I always thought like you have we have one dream, right? Like it's just like you have your dream, and you're lucky if you get to achieve it, and that actually. You, we have many, many dreams. So keep dreaming because your dreams will change and, you know, and, and they are attainable. You know, you just think about what small step you can work towards each day to get to that. And so one of my favorite things with creating um, change is, is like, I don't really like, um, you know, especially with like health habits and stuff, you know, we, we tend to say like, um, you know, I'm going to be healthy this week or starting on Monday, I'm going to start eating better. And they're just kind of like these vague um, goals. And, you know, although 
your why and your intention is very important, it doesn't actually help make that getting it into movement, um, into action. And so, and you lose your motivation and your willpower very quickly, you know, like by midweek, you might be like, oh, I'm just exhausted. I can't, can't do this. And it's so overwhelming. And so, you know, for me personally, with like my um, professional starting the business, like I said, I started to embrace help. So I have, I've gotten help and, and I, and I, you know, working, collaborating with people has been just actually really fun and not doing it on my own because that's less scary. But also just figuring out how to make um, like tiny habit goals. So like being very specific and, you know, this week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and what time you're going to do it and what you're going to do and how much and all those things. And then you build on that. And so you, we have so many habits that are just, we don't even realize like we get up brush our teeth, you know, we make a cup of coffee, all these automatic things. So now you can just build on those automatic things. So you can say, okay, after I brush my teeth, I'm going to meditate for five minutes, two minutes. I started out meditating for two minutes a day just to build that habit. And then you can expand that. It doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm going to automatically just start meditating for two hours a day. Like that's just not really that realistic and just finding ways. So I'm I, I love that. And I like created a guide on how to, you know, just with tips and, um, you know, how it kind of looks like a workbook worksheet, you know, where you can fill in like your, your specific goals. And um, yeah, so I really um, find that really, really helpful. Yeah, um, it really sounds like a charmed life, what you're describing <laughs> in your whole journey. But, you know, for those of you listening, it required you to surrender and give up and embrace it all, embrace the discomfort and go through it and accept that things will happen, you know, and challenges will happen. And when in the midst of a challenge, you know, it can be hard to see the light, so to speak, but like you said, everything changes. So just knowing that this too will change, right? With the wheel that comes up and goes down and nothing is, permanent and everything changes and you're allowed to change your dreams and your goals and you're allowed to create new ones. And I think that's where we start. We just start with this allowance and this surrender. And I used to not understand it myself, like being type A and, you know, um, having certain expectations or environments that I was part of. Um, but just seeing like, there's nothing different between you and any other person. So just allowing yourself that idea and that belief that you're allowed to have that dream you're allowed to go after that dream that's really really the first step that needs to happen and when you have the support of somebody holding tension making you accountable that's the whole power of going for a health coach or any other support system of your choosing because what I have also realized like going through different programs um, after pharmacy school my certifications and working with clients myself like that's the gap, right? That needs to be filled between you just dreaming and like what you described, making it into an actionable, achievable step that has time, you know, a time frame on it that has maybe some money because money holds tension too. And that really helps people be accountable. And when I used to see like the prices for services and, you know, people would say, you're paying for the transformation, not the information. I did not understand what they were talking about, but working with people, I see and myself, my own progress, you really can educate yourself just through books, right? Like you have done, you didn't absolutely need to go to a health coaching program or a functional medicine university. All these concepts have been around for, you know, you know, since the beginning of time <laughs> through ancient civilizations, you know, through you can get the information and now with the internet and with so many free resources, it's easier than ever, but why doesn't anybody, why doesn't everybody take action on that information? Because there's a few missing pieces and that's where that support is really, really paramount. So uh, I'd love to know what is your specialty now and how are you supporting people now, Stephanie? Yeah. So, you know, my mission now is to really, um, I'm passionate about helping moms 
like me, especially moms that are working or even stay at home moms because that's the job in itself. But I really want them to learn how to take um, care of themselves because we just have all these responsibilities and we put our, our health and ourselves last. And um, we always put our families first. But, you know, over time that wears on you and you're, you know, you start to have symptoms and, and just these imbalances and you're not showing up as your best version of yourself. So I really want to help working moms optimize their health to live the best version of themselves so they can be a better mom, a better partner, a better, um, you know, better in their careers and their jobs or their goals. And they can just achieve whatever it is they want because they they feel that that health and that goodness and they have the energy and, you know, they kind of, it almost, it, it is a transformation because it really brings them back to like that childlike where you're like, yes, I can do this. I have the confidence and make these changes and build on those small changes. And once you start to kind of open the door, you know, just like with, I found with like my business, once I like kind of just put myself out there and open that first door, like the you know, opportunities in, and just, it's like a whole new world that I've been exposed to. So it's the same thing, you know, with with making health changes. So I work with um, clients one-on-one -on -one right now. Um, so I do private coaching and yeah, I just, I'm just really excited about that and what the future holds with my, my business. I never thought that I would um, call myself an entrepreneur. That just was not me. Like I just, you know, like we said, we're type A, I like to have control of everything. And this is kind of like, well, I'm doing this and we'll see what happens. And then we'll just outgrow from there. And so I'm really excited to see, you know, where I grow this business. Um, you know, I, I love the idea of retreats and I love um, online programs and, um, you know, all types of, of different things. Um, that I, I have ideas about. So, um, yeah, so it's just really about the self, self-care, self having self-compassion, um, not comparing yourself to others, um, you know, like your beginning, you know, you shouldn't compare it to other people middle or end. And I, I did that, you know, I would compare myself a lot, especially when I was looking at people who, um, you know, when I was trying to, you know, work on my own health. And then, you know, when I started the business, I would compare and I just feel like, well, look how many followers they have. And I'll, I'll never get that. And I'll never, but just really, you know, stop comparing and no one really started out, you know, they weren't born great and they didn't start out great. They did the work. You just didn't see all the years of work that they've been doing behind the scenes and just, you know, really helping women go from um, surviving to feeling like they're thriving in life. And, um, and yeah, I think that's, you know, I'm just really, I, I find so much energy just from, I think I had all this, you know, bottled up inside me for so many years and to be able to, to get it out there in the world has just been really, really fun and energizing. And, you know, kind of what I learned through my, you know, we're all going to face stress, good stress, bad stress, like getting married, having a family, starting a new job. Um, you know, moving. There's so many life stressors that we, we just can't avoid. That's just part of life. And that's what's beautiful about it. But having those healthy lifestyle foundations kind of, you know, to go back to in those stressful times will really carry you through it. And you will weather that storm way better um, than you would have if you didn't. And, you know, a lot of things like positive mindsets, you know, like you mentioned, is just really um, has, has been helpful as well. So, um, yeah, so throughout my, my journey of a pharmacist and, uh, you know, and personally, I think, you know, I see like I had these ups and downs and I kind of would always just bring myself back and, and yeah, here I am. <laughs> yeah. So like we talked about accepting yourself fully and embracing change is, the key to a charmed life. That, that might be the episode. We'll see. Um, and I can't think of anybody better than you to serve these women that are going to self-actualize. And it's hard to put a price tag on that. It's uh, it's really invaluable. So um, if you have just one more minute, can we go into a rapid round question? Sure. sure. Okay. So number one is, 
what is your number one advice for somebody to improve their quality of life right now? Mm. Well, I really love focusing on blood sugar balancing. So I was the kind of person that um, had to eat every two hours and, and then I would crave carbs and sugar. I couldn't leave the house without like handful of snacks in my pocket and I would get really hangry and you know if we had to wait a long time at a, for you know to get a table at a restaurant I couldn't do it because I had to eat so often and I realized it was my blood sugar I wasn't eating the right things so I would say today you could start by just even just with breakfast by going more thinking going savory having protein fat and fiber um, and just not having the sugar because that really starts you on that roller coaster of, of a blood sugar ups and downs and really you know you just you're on an empty stomach and you absorb all that glucose and there you go up and down all day long and then you're going to have those 3 p.m cravings you're going to crash you're going to become more you know finding you more reliant on caffeine and so just being able to fill yourself with healthy whole food nutrients first thing in the morning um, will fill you up for a good four hours and you'll, you'll feel amazing and your, your levels will just stay nice and steady all day and you'll find you'll have less cravings as well. Such an important topic and just recognizing also that any carbohydrate breaks down into sugar too. So it's, it's almost the same in my eyes at this point. Um, and it's difficult, right? What we want to bring across here is it's not easy, but it requires change once again. But what are you willing to do for the outcome that you desire? That's the biggest thing. And hopefully that will motivate you to make the change that is necessary. Um, and there's so many ways. There's more than one. This is just one idea, but um, I think it's so important. So number two is... Uh, what's your favorite meal to prepare for your family? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, I think one, I, I really have found, like, I, you know, I've come a long way since preparing these, like, food and wine, like, foodie meals. Like, I love them, and we still, um, you know, try to sometimes, but my meal planning has really changed, and I'm really all about efficiency, and, um, you know, so I think number one is always sourcing good ingredients will just make you so much more excited and your food tastes so much better and you're more motivated to cook at home than to go eat out because you're making better meals at home and, you know, and everyone's loving it. So, but I think my, oh gosh, my favorite, I guess right now I've been doing, I've been getting a whole chicken. I'm lucky I have a friend that lives up the road that raises chickens, so I've been buying chickens from her, but yes, you know, get the best quality chicken. cooker, And um, so you can, you know, look up, you know, it's easy to find how to just do a whole chicken slow cooker recipe. You can season it however you want. And if you want to crisp it up at the end, you could put it under the broiler, but now you have enough of your protein for like, for a couple of days, probably, you know, you could use that leftover chicken for, um, you know, putting in salads or, you know, putting in your kid's lunch. And it's just a, you know, an easy way. I, it's really very hands off. Um, and then usually, um, you know, I kind of always think about the plate as like my protein source. And then like, I try to get in as many vegetables as we can. So, you know, I'll figure out like just, you know, something from our CSA. Um, right now, it's just a lot of salads because we're just still in salad season up here. And, um, you know, I make my own dressings and I'll make, a, you know, that's something that'll last me at least a good week. And then um, maybe like, you know, like a brown or, or wild rice or something like that to go with it. Very simple, but very just easy. And I'll make the rice in my instant pot. So that saves me time too. Well, I love the efficient mom cooking. <laughs> Very helpful. And uh, lastly, um, what's something surprising that maybe you haven't mentioned about yourself yet? Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I guess that like, I, I don't know if I said this, but I did not grow up 
in the outdoors world at all. Uh, you know, I was a dancer, but that was it. And I, um, you know, I really credit my husband to introducing me to hiking and camping and just being out in nature, which is just so healing in itself, but it's just, and it's fun. I love like not, you know, we started it when we were dating and then kind of took a break when we were having kids and I was very motivated to get back into it. So yeah, I think it's what may surprise people is that I was, I was not like this growing up, even in, I didn't like to get dirty or anything. And even like high school through college, I was a you know, and even after college, I was that city girl. And now I, we have 10 chickens and um, yeah, we do all kinds of just outdoor activities all the time with our kids and, you know, camping, still camping in a tent and, and loving it. So yeah, so I, I, I'm so grateful for that and that um, I'm really loved getting to do that, especially sharing that with my kids. Yeah, well, I love that transformation. And the very last question, how can people get in touch with you and learn more and support your work? Yeah, so I created that um, free guide for healthy habits um, without needing willpower, and it's for busy moms. So um, there's a link to download that. And um, yeah, my business name is Master Her Health. And so that's my handle on Instagram and Facebook, Master Her Health. And yeah, just find me there. I, I share a lot about, I share a lot of just of those easy hacks, um, lifestyle just for, for moms, um, you know, cooking. This is what I had for breakfast today. This is what my lunch looks like. I love sharing. I love food. I could talk about food all day long. And also just, you know, mindset and healthy habit ideas and just, um, you know, kind of learning about yourself, um, you know, from a health perspective. So, yeah. All right. Well, I will have all that information in the show notes. And Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Marina. It was my pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you learned something new from it, I'd love if you could leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend who might love it too. You can find me on any of the podcast and social media platforms by looking up Holistic Pharmacist or Dr. Marina Booksov. Thank you for your support and see you next time.